everybody and welcome to the spoiler warning podcast this is review number 738 with a review of asteroid city i'm christopher schnazy and i'm stephen miller and if you're joining us for the first time the spoiler warning podcast is a weekly film review program each week in the show we're going to dive in debate discuss and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you uh this week in the feed we already had a review of pixar's elemental and uh, now we're talking about the latest wes anderson film uh asteroid city i don't know why the name popped out of my head suddenly um but steven this is a film that you saw it can i saw it at a little uh, early screening um here in the city and uh you know it was out on the draft house so they gave us some little gifts um you know we're gonna play the fun game of talk about something visually that uh, people on the podcast aren't going to see because it, it is an audio only podcast but if you are in the podcast head to our youtube page where you also won't be able to see it we're, we're just <laughs> uploading the audio <laughs> Oh, but, uh, like, you know, in our review of Across the Spider-Verse, um, you had talked, you had mentioned this film briefly, and you had said, you know, something happens somewhere near the early part of this film that you're either going to really stick with or you're going to really not stick with, right? Well, you know, they gave us some gifts for coming to this theater at the Alamo Draft House, and I just mm. want to show you some of these gifts, right? So one is a patch. Uh, which I will not read for anybody right. listening only. Um, but here's a patch. You know, mm-hmm. that that could be ambiguous enough. You know, we don't know what that'll be. One right. is this little... Mildly spoilery, but you yeah, don't know. Yeah, here's oh, this little blue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, now, you know, like, to be fair, like, I, I think that the trailers for the film have been pretty ambiguous about different stuff that's there. Um, at least with some visual representation of things that might or might not be talked about. You know, we're, we're going to play it in a moment and everything I'm saying right now might be completely out, out the window uh, based on whatever. I don't know if I've ever seen a trailer for this, by the way. So your guess is as good as mine. Okay. Well, there was one last thing that was on the table for us in the screening. And it was this keychain. And you tell me if you think this is way too spoilery of a keychain to give people right before oh. the film... <laughs> That you're about yeah. to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They should have brought all this with the check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, even if you know that this dude, <laughs> mm-hmm. holding it up again for just Steven, if you know that that thing is going to be in this film, you don't know that it's going to look like this. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's just a weird choice to sit down and be like, oh, all right. So I know where this film is going. <laughs> right. Um, I, I yeah. do find that odd as well. Though I do want to say, and we can, first of all, this whole episode has got to be like mostly spoiler section, I think, because God, I don't even know where to draw the line. Um, (laughs) That scene is a big one that I care about, but I think there is at least one other major thing that happens that is also upending the way Wes Anderson tells stories. So we've actually got multiple, multiple things that we can talk about here. Okay. So, well, you know, we we, we can do, we can do the spoiler segment then at the end and, you know, I can... I can describe <laughs> these items that I've been holding up for this uh, yeah. beginning audio only thing. So, you know, maybe go see the film and then you can come back and listen to that part. Um, or if you want to have the same experience I did sitting down to watch this film, you can just uh, you, you can just listen to that section anyways. <laughs> yeah, just have it spoiled. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephen. Now that that's out of the way, are you ready to dive into this film? Oh, I'm ready. All right, we are going to take a listen to the trailer for Asteroid City and then come back and give you all a review. You're not here. We're not there. The car exploded. 
don't get the girls, I have to stay here with Woodrow. I'm not the chauffeur. I'm the grandfather. Where are you? Asteroid City, Farm Route 6, Mile 75. Junior stargazers and space cadets. Each year, we celebrate Asteroid Day. Commemorating September 23rd, 3007 B.C., when the arid plains meteorite made Earth impact. Holy Toledo, that's Mitch Campbell. You're very good in the one about the tramp in the brothel who gets amnesia and makes you a pediatrician. You were very awesome. Actually, maybe my favorite character ever. I don't know why nobody else liked it. What do those pulses indicate? What? Oh, the beeps and blips? We don't know. Some of our information about outer space may no longer be completely accurate. Anyway, there's still only nine planets in the solar system as far as we know, Billy. Except now there's an alien. What's happening now? I don't know. I don't like the way that guy looked at us. The alien. How did you, how did you look? Like we're doomed. Maybe we are. I've just informed the president. How long can they keep us in Asteroid City legally? The world will never be the same. That's an alien doing Jeffy Jacks. That's an alien in a top hat. What's out there? The meaning of life. Maybe there is one. Are you married? I'm a widower. But don't tell my kids. You're saying her mother died three weeks ago. Let's say she's in heaven. Which doesn't exist for me, of course, but you're Episcopalian. In my loneliness, I've learned to give complete and unquestioning faith to the people I love. I don't know if that includes you, but it included my daughter and your four children. Sometimes I think I feel more at home outside the Earth's atmosphere. Oh, wow. Me too. They're strange, aren't they? They're children. Compared to normal people. Yes, that's correct. It's true. Freight train, freight train, going so fast. Freight train, freight train. Going so fast, I don't... I do a nude scene. You want to see it? Huh? Did I say yes? You didn't say anything. Uh, I meant yes. My, my mouth didn't speak. Alrighty, so that was the trailer for Asteroid City. It is basically uh, the story of, I mean, it depends on how you want to define the story itself, but essentially, uh, regardless of how the story is being presented, it is a story of a family who breaks down near Asteroid City or in Asteroid City where there is a monument to a giant uh, meteor that fell there. And it's sort of the experience this family has there, um, taking their time as they wait to uh, get picked up or have a car replaced. (laughs) Stephen Miller, <laughs> what, what did you think of that description? And uh, what did you think of the film Asteroid City? <laughs> uh, I think the description was as good as anyone could come up with for this movie. Um, Asteroid City took me on a journey, for sure. Um, so the the way this movie opens, I, like I think I'm allowed to say this, this is very much a nested movie. It feels like the French Dispatch in that respect. I believe this is a... A television special hosted by Brian Cranston about the production of a play that is written by Edward Norton and directed by Adrian Brody. And that play is Asteroid City, which is the color widescreen movie that we are watching. Uh, So there are at least three layers. There might be even more than that. Um, I, I might have lost track. And honestly, for the first maybe 30 minutes of the movie, I was confused, like, I thought it looked great. It's a Wes Anderson movie. The production design is always amazing. And here it is like bright and colorful. It's like a 2D world that lives in 3D. Everything is like 
feels like flat sets, but then the camera pivots around. It it, it is very fun to look at. Like like it, yeah. and the cast is just stacked. I I couldn't list them all if I tried, and I'm not going to try. But I felt <laughs> like it took the thing that I love most about Wes Anderson, which comes through in things like uh, Rushmore and Moonrise Kingdom, which is the kind of childlike silliness that he is capable of and wrapped it in like eight layers of narrative bubble wrap to make it impossible to access or know what is going on. I It felt like things were coming a mile a minute. Um, Brian Cranston talks at a speed that I don't believe you are meant to even know everything that he's saying. Jeffrey Wright also <laughs> is talking so fast. Like the clip is just like, I couldn't follow everything that was going on. And I was getting a little lost and I was enjoying the look and feel and the wackiness of the characters. But I felt like, ooh, this is going to be kind of like all style, no substance. It's going to be a little bit hollow. Has Wes finally gotten to Wes for me? Um, and honestly, now this is canned, so who knows? They might have been running to do something else. But there were a number of walkouts in the first 30 minutes. Of oh, this really? Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, at least in my section, I saw a lot of people... I should say some people walk the red carpet just to get a selfie or whatever. So like maybe they were going to walk out no matter what, but it felt like a good number of people were shuffling out. We're like, okay, I'm out. I can't follow this. Um, which is a shame because as we alluded to in a past episode, something happens toward the end of the first act. And I know it's the end of the first act because this movie tells me what act I'm watching <laughs> at all times, which is one of those like Anderson, maybe overthinking himself type of things that was alienating me at first. It's, um, it's, it's, it's skipping scenes too, right? Like when it shows. It is, yeah. yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure it, exactly. I wasn't zoning out. <laughs> that is why this is like a television special about a play that may or may not have actually happened. But that means it is not showing us every scene in the play. Yeah, um, yeah. Or it feels like the play was happening. There were commercial breaks, but the play was in real time. <laughs> and yes, the commercials just like that. took away something that you could have been watching. Um, but first of all, something happens toward the end of Act One, which brings this movie into a different realm. One which... I have not seen a lot of Wes Anderson, any live action Wes Anderson movie tackled before. Um, I say live action because he has other movies that maybe have some of these qualities. I'm not even going to say their name in case it is spoilery, the adjective. Um, <laughs> but and so right there, that was like a wrinkle that had some sense of, wow, what is this movie doing? Where is it going to go now that it has kind of blown its load so early? You know, what is it trying to do? And there's another section, and I really think we're just going to have to get to spoilers kind of early so I can talk about what I mean with any of this, that also shifts the movie and what it is about in a very self-referential way that I really, really loved. And it made it feel like this is a thesis statement of why Wes Anderson makes movies and what he is trying to do by making them the way that he made them. And there, there was something that I thought was really, really, really interesting that made me want to immediately go back and watch the whole movie from the beginning and piece it together. And it has not officially come out yet as the time that we are recording. So I have not yet been able to do that, but I really <laughs> want to. So we're going to have a lot to talk about in spoilers without spoilers. What can I say? Um, I think Jason Schwartzman is probably the closest thing the movie has to a protagonist. And I think he nails it here. He has a few different layers he has to communicate at the same time. And I think he does a good job of it. I like Scarlett Johansson a lot in this movie. I think she really fits in well to the Wes Anderson universe. Even in the trailer, she gets a few really good um, 
moments, you know, that give you a sense of what she's doing. Yeah. Tom Hanks is basically stepping into the Bill Murray role, and I think he does a great job <laughs> that, that doing true, it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, in my head, it was Bill Murray. Like, that's how much he blends into that, <laughs> that type of character. Um, yeah. And then the kids, like I mentioned, Moonrise Kingdom is top tier Wes Anderson for me. And there are a lot of really fun kids in this movie, especially uh, Jason Schwartzman's character, his kids. Um, they're just really silly, fun to watch interact. I remember the little girls in particular screaming at some point about their mommy going to hell because of something that they were <laughs> that he was doing where they, they just know how to be over the top in that like it's like confined over the top silliness, which is what Wes Anderson does so well is he makes this like really tight scripted world where everything feels totally controlled. And then inside of it, when people burst out doing something silly, it feels hilarious to me. Um, and, and this movie had a lot of that. Um, but yeah, it is also pretty overwhelming and hard to follow. And it would not surprise me at all if people, including you, have <laughs> have some trouble with with all of that. So this is where I hand it to you and ask you what you thought of Asteroid City. Yeah, so I, I think you know we 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 were at a at a uh, a business dinner not a few days back, and we were trying not to talk about this film specifically because we don't want to spoil things. But I did I did mention one thing that is like Wes Anderson for me can be hit or miss, and mm. that is not a per film level. That is a within a single contained film. It, he's hit or miss for me. I, I think that like. I genuinely enjoy his shtick, you know, his style. Like, I, I like the way he presents information, you know, the quick dialogue, the visual look of everything, like all that stuff works for me in principle. But then depending on what's going on with the narrative, I'm like in or out and I kind of don't care. Like with, with uh, a good example was with uh, the French Dispatch, where it's like some of those vignettes I really, really enjoyed, and some of them I couldn't care less about, but I was getting them all no matter what, and it wasn't my choice. Yeah. And I think that this film feels a little bit like that, where it's like there are all the nested layers, and I don't care about the... the I don't care about... Like, if Brian Cranston's intro was just, this is how we get into Asteroid City's story, I, and it was like bookends to the story, I would not care. But the fact that we're continually returning to it and bouncing back and forth between these different levels of the narrative in things that stories I don't care about, then it's less exciting um, for me. And it's just one of those things where like, I would enjoy an individual scene, um, specifically everything that's happening in the color version of Asteroid City. And then every time we bounced out of that, I was kind of just watching to get back to the, the primary narrative, which for West might not be the primary narrative. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, like he he's tricking me with the thing that he's drawing me in with. And then I enjoy that so much that I don't want to leave it. And then everything else is just, yeah. and then it gets really confusing too. And it's like certain people playing people that are the characters they're playing. And I'm like, is this too yeah. clever by half or by a full? I don't, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I totally do. So, so it, it, it's, it's hard for me to, to gate. It's one of those things where like when I walked out of it, I was like, yeah, I I enjoyed that. I don't I don't know how much I appreciate all of it, but I really enjoy the individual pieces of it. And there are whole arcs that are introduced and then jettisoned in the the full color version of Asteroid City, um, involving you know kids trying to put their knowledge together to hatch a plan to contact someone, and then that just goes away. I think 
Yeah. I, I don't know if it completely went away or if it's one of those missing scenes in between the scenes that we're I th- watching. I think it happens. I, I think I know what you're talking about. We can, in spoilers, discuss yeah. it. I should say it's been almost a full month since this movie premiered I can. So I, <laughs> I do my damnedest to remember what happened in story nested level number four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, for me, it's kind of like, it's a fun film. I I would never want Wes Anderson to stop doing what he's doing. Um, but... It doesn't always work for me. Um, I do really love kind of you were talking about the visual presentation of this. And this film feels a little bit like he couldn't decide between doing stop motion and live action. So he just did stop motion world (laughs) with live action people. And it worked. It kind of reminds me of like the remake of the producers where it feels Mm -hmm. like it's on a staged set. Um, But this is like, you know, all huge and open expansive and stuff like that but there's like so much stuff that i have i have no idea what it's talking about or alluding to or being a callback to i'm just kind of watching it for the fun dialogue and the weird quippy mannerisms of all the characters and uh, i enjoyed for that but all in all you know even when you were teasing something at the end that makes you think you understand what his thesis is i couldn't even in my imagination know what the hell you're talking about so i'm excited to get into spoilers (laughs) to have you yeah let Tell me that. Let's do it. I, I think this will be a really like two people finding different parts of the elephant because I'm going to know what kind of thing I'm remembering and you having seen it more recently might be able to tell me what exactly I'm remembering. <laughs> and together, maybe we're going to figure out what, what Wes Anderson is doing. All right. You're making big promises. Uh, hopefully we can cash this check, <laughs> but we'll try. I don't know way we can. <laughs> All right. Well, Stephen, it sounds like we are going to get to our verdicts now before going to spoilers. Yeah. All right. Uh, pre-spoiler verdict. Here we go. If you're going to say must-see, record with a caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat or a must-avoid, what would you give it? So despite what sounded like a lot of caveats in my story, I think this is a must-see Wes Anderson movie. And I think watching it a second time, I'm going to be even more certain of that fact. I think it is... Um, it's complicated. It is arguably too clever by half, but I think there is something so interesting and fun about what he is doing. And I think he finds a way to make the cleverness be part of the point. Maybe in our spoiler section, we will figure out if that's true or not. Or maybe I'm writing a whole lot of checks that a two minute spoiler section will prove we cannot. (laughs) We'll find out. But either way, I think this is very interesting and maybe more personal and introspective than he's been in a long time. And we will find out if I'm right. But I think you got to see this movie, even if just for the visual style, it is just very cool to look at. I do not know how he films these things. Like, I can't even imagine the real world that he turns into this uh, artificial, brightly colored, flat, but 360 degree universe. I, I don't really understand what a set of his would even look like, but I love that they exist. And yeah, I hope he keeps making movies forever. Yeah. You know, speaking of his set and what he's trying to do visually, like he strikes me as the type of person who, if he was making a black and white film, would just make all the clothes in actual black and white fabric and like yeah. paint, paint all the actors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rather than shooting in black and white and colorizing it, he shoots in color and desaturates it. Or 100%. No, he, he builds the world in black and white. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know where I was going, but you knew what I was saying. Um, anyways uh my verdict i think is where we're at um uh for me this is a recommend with a caveat um all the caveats 
that Stephen ignored to put it in a musty are the exact caveats that I leave it in a uh, in a recommend with a caveat. Um, I think this is a film that that the pure joy and silliness of the joyful silly moments is enough to kind of keep you writing throughout the entire thing and then everything else that you're kind of sitting through is not there long enough to kind of pull away your attention if like for some people those are going to be what they're going to the film for and they're going to absolutely love those for me it, it wasn't but i still had enough to remember fondly of it uh that that i still enjoyed what i watched and i think other people will probably at the very least have that same experience if not the experience for the checks that Stephen wants to cash in the the next segment. So there you go. Recommend with a caveat. <laughs> cool. Higher than I expected, honestly. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. If it was a longer film, it might have fallen down eventually. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is our non-spoiler uh, review of Asteroid City. Um, we're going to say goodbye now and then transition on into spoiler territory um, where you might find out about those little goodies that I have and Steven's thesis about the film or Steven's assumption about the thesis that Wes Anderson yeah. made in the film. I don't know what the thesis is. I just have faith that it exists <laughs> out there in the universe somewhere. <laughs> All right. Well, Steven, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from artlist.io, so hopefully you're enjoying that. That music is going to fade up, and when that music fades out, we're going to be in spoiler territory, uh, which is some place in the middle of the desert where an asteroid struck many, many years back. Um, (laughs) And we're going to be finding out what might be out there. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we'll see you in a bit. We are back. This is Spoiler Territory. This is the after part of our review of Asteroid City. We are talking full-blown spoilers, so watch out. They're coming at you. Um, Stephen Miller, where do you want to start? I mean, let's start with the easy part, which is what is obviously the big spoiler of the movie and what kind of takes it into the realm of the fantastical, uh, which is the moment at the end of Act 1, I believe, when the stargazers are all out with um, boxes on their heads to try to see an eclipse, or but they call it an ellipse, which I think is a fun little, you know, a, a solar ellipse or something that's happening because three dots <laughs> will appear for them. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's hilarious, but I don't know what the fuck is supposed to be for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, but it's a, it's a very fun joke. Um, yeah. But then while they are doing that, a blinding flash of green happens and someone takes off their bag or box or whatever and realizes that a UFO has landed, an alien has come down and grabbed the meteorite and leaves. And from then on, the movie is kind of in the realm of what is 
able to happen in this world. You know, we don't we don't know anymore <laughs> what the rest <laughs> of the film is going to be. And honestly, there were already little teases of that. Um, like the stargazers have built all these gadgets that got them into the competition and they are the stuff of science fiction or fantasy, right? Like someone yeah, yeah. can project something on the moon. Someone else has like a jetpack. I think yeah, there's a ray gun. Um, yeah. A ray gun. So already this is very much in the land of cartoon, you know, fantastic. Mr. Fox is what came to mind for me of like, it is like a stop motion movie there. The rules are unclear, you know, and the rest of the movie is kind of all of the characters grappling with how are we supposed to live now that this crazy thing has occurred that we can't explain. And they grapple with it in different ways. You know, for Jason Schwartzman, he's just kind of like thinking about it. Uh, he doesn't know how to contextualize it. And he's already grappling with the death of his wife, too. So yeah. these two things are kind of like combining in a way that he doesn't really understand. Um and yeah, I just thought that whole shift was magical. That moment, I think, is just wonderful in the movie when it occurs. It's like a long ellipses, honestly. It's like a moment of silence, a break between things happening where we're just looking at this alien creature <laughs> coming down from the heavens and everything is quiet and it disappears. And I, I wonder, having it basically be spoiled by a keychain for you, <laughs> how how you <laughs> felt about that moment. Yeah, like like in 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 the trailer, they talk about they they say, but like I forget exactly the line of dialogue. What is it's like? Oh yeah, that was before the alien or whatever. And like, there's the part with mm -hmm. the girl who's doing like the Rorschach test, and it's like alien doing this, alien doing that, alien. So we know that there will be an alien, but we don't know that the alien will fucking look like this exact keychain. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is which is a a body that is too skinny to be played by, you know, like it, it's it it ends up being like a stop motion alien um, for mm -hmm. our first presentation of it, and then when you see the play version of it, it's played by Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who who was at the Q and A for the film? He doesn't have a line of dialogue in this film, right? He plays the alien. Yeah, I don't believe he walked the red carpet. I don't think I saw him at Cannes. So okay. he, he somehow didn't make that cut off. Yeah, yeah. Because he 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 doesn't he he plays both the alien in that shot of the alien carrying the meteorite to the audience um, in the play version, but then he also mm -hmm. plays a guy sitting in chair next to <laughs> next to everybody in the office at some point. Um, but I don't think he has a speaking part in there. Anyways beside the point but yeah I, I definitely like in the grand scheme of things it doesn't bug me too much like you know i was primed for there to be aliens but i feel like you know it would be like if i went to see signs and i they gave me a, this exact keychain right <laughs> which, which does look like the signs yeah alien, it does honestly. look like the signs of science alien i mean to be fair looks like a lot of aliens but uh sure. You know, like it, it's just one of those things where it's like that is the, like when when you see that it's supposed to be shocking, not oh now I see the keychain I have. You know what I mean? Like it, it's mm -hmm. it, it did kind of make me feel weird going into it, but I I it in I don't I didn't care that much. It just I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. So the the second for me big aha moment and the thing that kind of rippled back and made me want to think about the whole movie again is, and I might be getting my ordering wrong in terms of when these scenes occur, but there is a second UFO event that I believe has just happened and a riot 
kind of follows because it means everyone is going to have to be quarantined again and everyone is getting angry about this and like the kids are shooting ray guns like there's a there's a whole thing occurring the cast turns into a frenzy and in the middle of this jason schwartzman gets up walks off the set basically like exits the door walks through the corridors of whatever place in new york they're putting on this play and goes out on a balcony for a smoking break and while he's there he starts talking with the woman who was supposed to play his wife who got cut. And they're talking about this monologue that was supposed to be in the play that they had. And the monologue, it goes by quickly. You know, again, it, it was a month, al- like a month ago that I heard this thing, but it is about grief and that desire to find in the middle of all this chaos, some like blinding moment of truth, that can explain the world that can make you feel like there's something more out there than life as you understand it. And that moment, first of all, even though I can't quote it very well, I remember finding it beautiful. Like I I felt very moved in that scene. And it, it is just like Wes Anderson, like too clever by half to put one of the most beautiful monologues of the movie as like a deleted scene in the play, basically (laughs) that we just hear people talking about instead of performing. Um, And then in my memory, shortly after that, we cut to this actor studio thing that is going on where Willem Dafoe is teaching a class of actors about this like experimental technique. And his idea, he keeps saying, like, how are you meant to pretend to sleep on stage? Like the only way to really do it is to actually fall asleep. And then all of the actors kind of one by one chant you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. You can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. You can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. And then we're shoved back into Asteroid City. And in my mind, at least, what this movie is talking about is like, why does Wes Anderson create these like meticulous worlds where everything is controlled and fantastical and not the way anyone in the real world would behave? Like, what is it for? And I feel like what the movie is trying to say is we we do all this to get the audience to enter a world that they fully believe, to get like lulled into this kind of sleep. So then when a blinding moment happens, it jars us because we we are in the universe already. And like he he is trying to make sense out of chaos by controlling things as much as he can and then letting chaos suddenly come in and topple what we think the story is going to do. And I don't know what it all means, but it made me think back to Jason Schwartzman's character. He is asking early in the movie, like, why does Augie burn his hand on this George Foreman grill? What, Like, he's talking to the director or the writer, Edward Norton. Like, why does he do it? I don't understand why the character would do this. And he tries to invent it, and he isn't sure. And then in the play, he and Scarlett Johansson are talking with each other. And out of nowhere, he suddenly like sticks his hand on the grill and it hurts. And it's this idea of like, I want to feel something. Like I want something to mean something. And this whole world feels like everyone is going through the motions and nothing means anything. And I, I don't know how to connect all of it, but I feel like there's something about the whole movie that is like Wes Anderson talking about what he is trying to do by making all these layers of a story and how he wants to like make something artificial. So then when a real moment occurs, it like ripples and feels bigger because we're all 
waking up after having been asleep with him in this thing. And I need to watch the whole thing again to follow all the different layers and all the teeing up that it did. But that was the moment that like monologue or dialogue between two people having a smoking break before going back to their play. And then the you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep thing. Really, for me, I was just like, holy shit. I have no idea what this movie is doing, but I feel like it's really cool. Um, yeah, those, those are my thoughts filtered through one month of forgetting what actually happened. Um, but to me, it made this shoot up into being a very, very, very interesting movie about potentially grief and the desire to control things when you can't actually control the world. And that this cast of actors that work together over and over that put on a play because they're trying to get to the heart of something. And even the actors don't know what they're trying to do, but they're hoping that if they go through the motions, something beautiful will happen. And it, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot there and I want so badly to watch it again and put it all together. That's my spiel. Yeah. Like I, I, well, ironically, the, uh, that scene that you're talking about the i'm gonna say my funny thing first uh, funny you guys mm. be the judge but i'm gonna say the thing that is meant to be my funny thought before i go into the actual thing um but that moment you're talking about where the people were chanting and repeating like you you can't wake up if you can't fall asleep in mm. real time in the moment what i was thinking about is the ending of bo is afraid and how we were talking mm. about like the scene that is happening at the end that you just sit through at the end and then you see people in the background doing something and we were we were kind of joking about like is that him depicting what he assumes the audience is doing in this moment um mm. i that's the scene i, I was thinking of that not in a positive <laughs> yeah like because he thinks he put us all to sleep you mean yeah like like it, it, I, in my head it was like a thing where he was like hey uh, I know you're not interested in this thing, but you can't get to the thing you you can't get to the thing that you want to see the awake thing unless you fall asleep in this thing because this is the thing that defines <laughs> the thing that you were watching over there. Um, yeah. so maybe we're in the same realm, but like in that moment, I was thinking of that like, oh, this is he's talking to the audience right now. <laughs> it felt like, um, and it kind of I, I it, it made me feel like it ripped me out of my slumber in not a good mm -hmm. way um but to the point you're trying to make about like him talking about the meeting and his thing i, I think one of the reasons why wes, wes anderson has become so memeable um or at least you know like doing things in the style of wes, wes anderson have become memeable is because he does on the surface appear to be this this essence right that you can apply right. to any narrative you want to and if you do it in that way, it feels authentic to Wes Anderson. Like I saw one headline headline for this film that said something like, you know, this film proves that even in a world like AI and stuff, you can't actually reproduce a Wes Anderson film because they're unreproducible. Right. Um, and in a way, like, you know, I, I've watched them. Like, I was sharing videos with you of like, this is just too, this is too good. This is too good. Like yep. just any, any property you want can be converted into a Wes Anderson film. And it, it seems like it works perfectly, but, but it sounds like if I can, if I can get what you're trying to speak to is that he made a film where he tried to insert 
all the underlying meaning between the stuff that he does to kind of show and walk you through the experience of these aren't just random thoughts. And in any given moment of film, I am not going for whatever I think would be funny in that moment. There is an underlying meaning to all this stuff. And I am trying to get at some trueness of people, even though I'm doing it in the silly, fun way. And yeah, maybe that is true. And it feels like there's there's probably something there. Um, but well, I think there's also, if, and again, I have to watch it again to know for sure. But I think there's also like a synecdoche New York thing about it where it's like this person is trying to explore something simple like grief or what is the meaning of life? How can I find meaning? And the only way they know how to do that is to burrow into layers and layers and layers of really complicated artificial things like people reenacting and a TV show documenting how they reenacted and an acting class where they talk about how they're going to reenact. And it's like building all these layers because it's like one neurotic mind trying to figure something out. And I think that... I, I wish I had something more smart to say, but I just feel like I've never seen him pull back the curtain before. And I think it was really, really interesting to pull it back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's lots of interesting stuff in there that he's doing. Like, you know, this, the, 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 the underlying narrative starts with us learning about a guy, an atheist whose wife has passed mm-hmm. away and him trying to figure out what the hell's going on there. And by the end, whether it's related to that scene on the balcony or not, he is yeah. through the existence of aliens. It allows him mm-hmm. to extrapolate to what if there is more out there than I understand now in this moment, yeah. which is, you know, that that could be the through through arc of that character on his journey. Or it could be just the performances that he's doing if he is actually mm-hmm. the actor and not the character that he's playing. Um, so it's it's hard to it's hard to know. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of stuff about like mixing between actor and character like Scarlett Johansson. She not only, you know, she plays an actress who is playing an actress in Asteroid City. Like this woman is an actress and she has this like black eye and someone thinks this means that she's been hit. But no, she's like putting on the black eye because she wants to understand how another character that she's preparing to play would feel if she were in that situation. And there's just like there's a lot in this movie about like, why do we play act? Why do we reenact? What are we trying to do when we all play dress up together and do this thing? Wasn't there also a punchline there where it's like her character doesn't explicitly have a black eye, but she thinks the character would have a black eye or something like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, it's too good. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't have all the answers, but I swear to God, when this comes out in SF, I'm going to watch it a second time, thinking the whole time about, like... Because the first time I watched it, the different layers, I was like, okay, Wes is just being cute. Get me back to Asteroid City, you know? Get me, get me back to the real story. And now, that last little bit where the most moving stuff happens outside of the play makes me want to watch the whole thing again, paying attention to all the other layers and seeing what kind of Easter eggs or hints there are there, because I feel like, I feel like the movie is a puzzle now, maybe not like a logical puzzle, but like a, there's like an emotional meaning to the movie that I'm going to come back after a second time. And I'm going to pretend I saw it all along and I'm going to write some review and you're not allowed to tell everyone that I (laughs) didn't actually know. (laughs) I'm not allowed to, but anybody listening, you guys can all do that. (laughs) Okay. You're all, no, you're all in under NDA. Now we're not going to talk about this outside of the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um there, uh yeah any any other random stuff like jokes that we can spoil that we just want to talk about favorite moments or anything 
I would need to follow your lead because specific jokes have kind of fallen out of my brain after a month. Yeah, I, I do. I like I, I saw the car falling apart in in the trailer. But mm-hmm. the moment of like, I've seen this problem two times before. <laughs> One time it was a 10 cent part fixed everything. <laughs> Another time the car exploded and just them mm-hmm. putting it in there and like starting and trying to figure it out. Also, yeah, after it explodes. There's also a weird alien machine part that pops out and everybody doesn't know what it was. Like, that was telegraphing the yeah. aliens visit, too. But, like, they never explain all the alien gizmos and gadgets that are they're all flying around, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I did like that gag. That was the very kind of cartoon type of nature of the world that they live in, where the gag is 100% stop motion, you know, Isle of Dogs or Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. But it exists in this real world with real people. Yeah, yeah. Um... One thing I'm just remembering now, um, I didn't write it down, but uh, I was talking about the kids who were trying to contact the alien and, you know, they were in quarantine and they were trying to get away mm-hmm. to to like, we know aliens exist. Some of the people are freaking out. We think this is a great exploration. First contact moment. Um, we want to contact the alien. Yeah, it, it wasn't clear if they were trying to tell them we mean no harm or they explicitly wanted to talk about like just two intelligent beings let's have a communication about the stuff we know about the universe like whatever it was but they go through this right. huge elaborate plan to like tie into a bunch of stuff so they can try to contact and i feel like that never comes back i know the alien comes back yeah. but i feel like they didn't say hey can we have our meteorite back right like because the kids wouldn't care if the meteorite was returned or not right so i so i just mm-hmm. i wondered how that didn't go on from there if there's something jettisoned in the story later yeah yeah i'm not sure what is supposed to have happened in between that in my head canon they did them trying to contact the alien at least triggered the alien returning maybe not like communicating but something about their signal made it happen or maybe they're gonna all go on in the future to be scientists who do this and this was just like the moment of them knowing there's more out there and getting excited about it but I feel like shortly after that happens is when the movie kind of explodes into the meta narrative for me. So I kind of never, never followed up with the thread of what was supposed to happen in the world. Yeah. Cool. Um, is that it? Not, not, nothing left to talk about? <laughs> I feel I feel complete. I think we, we didn't cash the check, but hopefully everyone got at least like, I don't know, a few pennies <laughs> out of it. Well, hopefully if anybody did listen before watching the film uh they will carry in your secret interpretation of what it's all supposed to mean with their viewing and maybe they can write in to fans at thespoilerwarning.com and let us know what the true narrative thesis is of this film yes please tell me tell me what the movie means (laughs) Uh, my my final little metaphor which is a stretch but whatever wes anderson is meticulous so i feel like the big visual in this movie when the alien comes is everyone has the box on their head and they are looking for this major astronomical event. And the only way they can look at it is by like shrinking it down into like a tiny dot, like just a little thing happening that they can fit in their head that they can understand. And I kind of feel like the way he makes movies is like that too, where he shrinks everything down into this dollhouse world. So then things that would have been minor emotions feel really big because we've like put them in a place that we can fit them. I don't know. Do with that what you want. I I just think there's something, something to that metaphor of like trying to contain 
the universe in a little thing that you can hold in your hand and that as an obsessive director that is what he is trying to do also nice all right well that's gonna do it uh we are gonna take off and uh you know we're gonna go talk about past lives <laughs> mm-hmm. gonna gonna cry together <laughs> uh, bye everyone bye